Hey Inspiration 9 Church, my name is Mike. I'm going to be talking to you today about Holy Thursday. We are moving into Easter weekend. Tomorrow is going to be Good Friday, then we have Easter Sunday coming up after that. But I want to talk about Holy Thursday. That's today. And you know, we talk about Holy Thursday, about all of the things that led up to Easter weekend. Um, you know, we talk about uh, the mandate that Jesus gave that we should love one another. We talk about all of the different things. But I really like how Paul described Holy Thursday. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, Paul talks about the Last Supper. And what it says here is it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, we call it Holy Thursday because it was Jesus' last time with his disciples before going through the crucifixion on, on Good Friday. And what's really interesting is that Paul doesn't call it Holy Thursday. He refers to it on as the night he was betrayed. You know, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus did a lot of things. One of the things he did is that he organized the Passover dinner for the apostles. We know that uh, in Matthew 26, verses 27 to 29, it says, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Drink of it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You understand that Jesus realized this was going to be the last time he was eating with his disciples on the earth in the nature that he was prior to going to the cross. You know, it was really interesting that the that the supper that they were having was in was in remembrance of Passover. It was the feast of the unleavened bread. Well, what was Passover? Passover was when the Hebrew people in Egypt were in uh, exile, they were in bondage, they were in slavery, and what happened? It said that God told Moses to go and slaughter the lamb and take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorposts of all of the Hebrew people, all of God's people, that when death came over and passed over the people, that they would be spared from the coming death. And isn't it interesting that the lamb that they had slaughtered, the blood that they used in Passover, that Jesus is sitting there saying, this is the blood of the new covenant for that is poured out for people. He's speaking before he's gone to the cross. The disciples don't even fully understand what he's talking about, but he's sitting there talking about how he is going to be the blood of the new covenant, that he's pouring it out, that he is going to be going to slaughter. Isn't it interesting that in John 1, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, John 1 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist recognized that Christ was the Lamb that was going to be slaughtered to create the new covenant. And on that Holy Thursday, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus was ensuring to show the prophetic understanding and release that he was going to be the new Lamb that would take away the sins of the earth. So not only on the night he was betrayed, did he have food and, and take wine and bread and set up the communion and to prophesy that he was the new lamb that was going to be slayed. He also did something really interesting. On the night that he was going to be betrayed, on the night that he was going to be arrested, on the night that he was going to be taken away, he washed his disciples' feet. In John 13, verses 3 to 5, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He knew that it was going to be his last night. And how did he spend his last night? He was serving his disciples. He was washing their feet. You know, it doesn't say that he was just washing the feet of John or of James. He was washing the feet of all of the disciples, which includes a few interesting characters, which we're going to get into. You know, he talked about in Luke 9, where he said, when he was talking about children, he said, you know, that the least of these is going to be, is the greatest. And in Holy Thursday, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus made himself the least in the room, first by talking about how he was going to be the sacrifice to take away the sins of the earth, and then humbling himself to the position of the servant, washing the feet of each of those disciples that he had spent all of those times with those last couple years, going down, and the last thing he was going to be doing with some of those disciples in that room was breaking bread, drinking wine, and washing their feet. You know, on the night he was betrayed, he went to go pray. After dinner was done, after he finished washing the feet, after he had talked to Judas, who left to go... Uh, to go get everything ready to go for the betrayal. After all these things, he went to pray, to go spend time with the Father. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says that he took Peter, James, and John. This would have been one of the most stressful times in all of Jesus' life because he knew what was coming. He understood the mandate. He knew what was coming. He said, I got to go pray. In Mark 13, verse 33 to 34, it says, And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here with me and watch. And you know what's really interesting? Is that in that moment, in one of the hardest times that Jesus was having in his life, in one of the most difficult, sorrowful times, he asked his friends to remain here with him and pray and spend time and support him. And you know what it tells us? It tells us that they had too much food at dinner and they fell asleep. It says that he came back multiple times and they were sleeping. You know, on the night he was betrayed, he talked about how he was going to pour out his life 
for everybody, that he was going to be the lamb that would go to slaughter. You know, on the night that he was betrayed, he, he rose and he washed the feet to all of the disciples that he had, both friend and what we would know would later be his foe in Judas. And in the night that he was betrayed, he went for prayer. And some of the closest friends that he brought with him to pray couldn't even stay awake long enough to pray with their friend who was obviously struggling. You know, when the captors came after the garden, it says that there was a captist named Malchus. And it says that one of his disciples in Luke 22, verses 50 to 51, it says, And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said, No more of this, touching his ear and healing. And can you imagine that you are going, that you are getting arrested by people for as an innocent man, you're being arrested by people, your disciples in their own strength go to try to defend you, pulling out their sword, attacking someone, and you go and rebuke the disciples who are trying to defend you and heal the person who is trying to arrest you. You know, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he was looking at everyone, not just his friends, but even his enemies. He was, uh, he was, uh, he advised that he was the lamb that was going to be led to slaughter. He let, he let the people in his room, he sunk to the lowest part to wash their feet. He went for prayer, even though the people that were with him were neglecting him and, and not caring and focused on just their own flesh of being tired. And then when he goes and gets attacked by people, he goes and heals the very people who are trying to arrest him. You know, on the night that he was betrayed, his friend Judas handed him over for the price of a slave. You know, in the Bible, when Judas comes up, Jesus says to him, friend, do what you have to do for you betray the son of man with a kiss. You know, it was the kiss of a friend and the, that cost that, that gave Jesus over the price of a slave. Jesus knew what was coming. At the time that they were having dinner, he even said to him, you know, the one who's dipping the bread in the cup with me is the one who's going to betray me. And Judas was the one. But you know, that was after Jesus had already washed their feet. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And it's really interesting to me that he's setting up dinner. He's feeding. He's, he's washing. He's praying, you know, knowing that he has a person inside of his camp who is betraying him for the price, the equivalency price of, of what a slave would cost. On the night he was betrayed, he was betrayed by one of his closest friends that would have been with him for the last couple of years for the price of a slave. On the night he was betrayed, he was denied by one of his closest friends, Peter, the one who said, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, I have to wash your feet. And then he says, well, then don't just wash my feet, wash my head, wash everything. Peter, the one who said, you know, I'll die for you. I'll, 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 I'll put my life on the line for you. I'll do anything that you say. The one who came out of the boat and walked on the water. Peter, one of the most passionate and in love with people, apostles. If you have a friend like Peter in your life, you're going to feel awesome every day when you see Peter. But Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Not once, 
But multiple times, the Bible says in Luke 22, the Lord turned and looked at Peter after Peter had denied him to a little girl, to a group of people. And it says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And it says, Peter went out and wept bitterly. You understand that Jesus washed the feet of the person who proclaimed to love him the most knowing that he was not even, he was going to deny even knowing him in a few short hours and it says that Jesus looked at Peter when he saw when he had heard him deny him and Peter wept bitterly you know another thing that the bible says is that on the night he was betrayed while he was sitting in the upper room that there was an argument among his disciples about who would be the greatest you know all of these years of serving people, of healing people, of, of talking about himself being laid out, you know, for everybody else around him. And his disciples are arguing in his, the night of his betrayal about which one of them is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. While Jesus is going and washing the feet of those people, knowing that he is the son of God who's going to give his life as a ransom for many and his, his friends, his closest disciples are talking about themselves and who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. You know, on the night he was betrayed, he was accused by the priests. He was accused by the religious people. You know, these people who are the ones who are supposed to be monitoring and reading and studying the prophecies of the coming Messiah are the very ones that are accusing him, arresting him, and eventually leading him to the government to be convicted and to be murdered as an antichrist. They don't even recognize him as a son of God or a prophet or anything. They recognize him as a complete son of the devil, you know? And these are the people who are supposed to be responsible for the prophecy and, and, and telling people about the coming Messiah, just like John the Baptist knew. You know, it says, uh, make, way, make straight the way of the Lord that he's coming. He was walking in the wilderness talking about Christ who's coming. But the prophets and the, not the prophets, but the high priests and the religious people and the Pharisees and, and all these guys who are supposed to be the workers for God, are the ones that are accusing Jesus. It says, um, we, see, we see that throughout in all the Gospels. It says that he was taken in front of the religious high priests and high scribes. It says that they were taken in front of Caiaphas, who would have been the high priest. And they just threw all of these accusations. And eventually even going ahead and bringing him the next morning to Pilate to eventually get moved into the, into the uh, conviction process where he was eventually sentenced to death by crucifixion. You understand here, church, Holy Thursday was full of Christ's holiness. What did, what did Christ do on the night of his betrayal? He served. He encouraged. He prayed. He taught. He established the Holy Communion. He did all, all of these things. He healed people's ears. He, he, he healed his enemies' ears. He, he didn't speak up against himself in the face of accusation. You know, he, he stopped his disciples from, from pulling their swords out and fighting people. Uh, you know, he, he, he called the betrayer his friend. You know, he, he advised the, he washed the feet of the friend that was going to deny even knowing him in just a few short hours. Can you imagine the night of a betrayal? Can you imagine knowing all of those things? Knowing 
about the accusations, knowing about the betrayal, knowing about the denial, knowing about the arguments, knowing about the competition, you know, knowing about the rejection, knowing about all of those things and still being able to do all that your father had told you to do. Wow, that is amazing. That is holy. That is that is mind-blowing. You know, we talk about what he did on the cross on Good Friday. We talk about how he died, he rose again on Easter Sunday, but can you just imagine how much it would have cost you, how hard it would have been to, in the face of suffering, in the face of persecution, in the face of sheer death, and having those people around you who are supposed to be your closest friends and your closest allies, and being able to serve and encourage and eat and pray with all of them knowing what was coming. You know, friends, that Holy Thursday is the beginning of the Easter weekend. It didn't start on the cross. It started in the upper room. It started when he started to prophesy about the communion. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is poured out for you. Every time you eat, every time you drink, think of me. Think of what I'm doing. And he hadn't even done it yet. Washing the feet of the people who might deny you, who might betray you, healing the people of those who might arrest you, praying with the people who are falling asleep in your time of need, encouraging the people who have got a motive and an agenda to turn you over when the price is right, the people who are supposed to know you the best being the religious teachers, being called a liar from the people who are supposed to know you more than anybody else because of all the prophecies in the Old Testament. And in all of that, Jesus maintained his holiness. He never sinned in one of the hardest days before going to the cross. He never sinned at all in his whole life. But I tell you one thing, if there was going to be a day where there might be sin in my heart, it was going to be that day when I'm surrounded by people that I know are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, when all of the things that they said are coming into question. Amazing. And he never stopped. You know, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Can you imitate Christ in the face of betrayal? Do you imitate Christ when people around you are falling off? Can you wash the feet like Christ washed the feet of those people that you know are going to reject you in a few short hours? Can you heal people and pray for people and lay hands on people who want you dead and gone? Do you imitate Christ? You know, friends, on the night that he was betrayed, he showed us how to live a life of holiness on his hardest day. How about us on our best days? Do we live like Christ? What about us on our mediocre days? Are we able to say that we are walking in the holiness of Christ? That is the challenge for you today. That is the challenge for each one of us. How are we in the face of betrayal? How are we in the face of rejection? How are we in the face of accusation? How are we in the face of denial from our friends? How are we when when people come to hurt us, how are we when our friend kisses us in order to symbolize our coming arrest and our conviction and our crucifixion and our death? Are we like Christ or do we act in the flesh? Do we say, yes, pull out your swords? 
Or why do I even pray with you guys? Or why should I wash your feet when I know what you're going to do? Why should I even be the lamb that would die for you? But Christ laid down his life. You know, the Bible tells us that a, that, uh, a man sticks closer, that there is a man who sticks closer than a brother. You know, the Bible tells that, that uh, no greater love hath man than this than a man who lays down his life for his friends. You understand that the people on this earth that were his friends denied him, rejected him, sold him out, ran away, turned, as soon as it was gone, turned back to their old nets. But Jesus never stopped being a friend. The Bible tells us that we are a friend of God. And Jesus showed on his night of his betrayal the greatest friendship that there ever could be. And that would be that the Son of God came down and continued to love people up until death on the cross. Even when hanging from the cross on that Good Friday, saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your Holy Thursday. We thank you for what you did in the upper room, what you did in the garden, what you did in the face of the mob, and what you did in front of Caiaphas and eventually Pilate. When you spoke not a word in defense, when you laid yourself down, when you laid your life down as the ransom for many, Lord, may we imitate uh, you. May we live like you. May we exercise holiness in the face of rejection. May we exercise love in the face of violence. May we exercise patience when people around us are falling apart. Lord, may we end up doing what you said that you wanted us to do regardless of the cost. May you encourage us. May we follow your great mandate to love God and to love others. Lord, may we love people like you first loved us. We thank you that we get to celebrate this Holy Thursday and we celebrate and remember the night that you were betrayed, that you might go to that cross on that Good Friday, that you might be dead on that Saturday, but that you might rise again on Easter Sunday, our living hope, that, you, that we might also come into the salvation through what you purchased on the cross those 2,000 years ago. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise. We thank you for what you've done and we bless your name. And everybody said, Amen. Church, Easter is upon us. We have a Good Friday service tomorrow, Good Friday at 10 a.m. We're going to have a family service at the Serbian Center. That's located at 670, 6770 uh, Tecumseh Road East in Windsor. We're also going to have an Easter Sunday morning. 10 a.m. as well. Going to have a full service. We're going to have a message. Uh, Good Friday, we're going to have Pastor Brian, Pastor Sherry uh, preaching and speaking about the work that was done on the cross, the, the greatest Friday. And I'm going to be speaking on Easter Sunday about uh, Christ rising up from the again, our hope for glory. I hope that you'll come. I hope that you'll bring somebody, bring a friend, bring your family, bring your neighbor, bring your workplace. If there's somewhere to be on a, on a time to be there, it's with us at I-9 Church on Friday, on Sunday, on Good Friday, on Easter Sunday. It is celebrating the greatest weekend in all of creation. Better believe it. I hope to see you there. Bring a friend, bring a family, share this message out. And, uh, and uh, we just love you. God loves you so much and we love you too. Have an awesome day.